All right, good morning to everybody as you're making your way back to your seats. It truly is a wonderful day for us to be here to celebrate missions. Uh, I'm assuming that most of you know who I am, but on the odd chance there's a few of you that don't. My name is Steve Seabury. I uh, am uh, the chair of the uh, mission team here at the Church at the Crossing. And so we're just very delighted that we can take this time to celebrate uh, Church at the Crossing's missions involvement. Uh, this truly is a church that has missions on its mind and heart. And uh, every now and then we have the opportunities to get our hands dirty in missions. And we're going to hear from some folks here in just a minute. That's why these stools are up here. This is not the Supreme Court of the United States, of course. Uh, but what I would like to do to get the ball started just a little bit is to have, uh, have you see... Um, who has been on mission in this recent past? Now, I'll let you define what recent past is. Realize there's a lot of folks that are probably out on uh, last-minute vacations, and so we're going to miss a few people. But what I'd like to do is just run down a quick list of some opportunities that we've had in the past, and for you to stand right at your seat and just remain standing so that we can get a visual of those who have been on mission uh, in, again, the recent past. So let's start with the most recent, our Peru group. I know that some are out sick. Seems like that that's a, a, a tradition is to come back from Peru sick. Um, and some are already traveling again. So uh, if you've been to Peru on this most recent trip, just stand right where you are and stay standing. All right, there we have the Eatons and, and family. Stay up now. Just prior to that was the Portugal group, better known as the He-Men, I think. Now stay up. No, 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 Carla, y'all remain standing. Uh, if you did Portugal, stand up where you are. There they are. Yeah, very good. All right, and then we had Cambodia in two waves, so let's just combine them all. If you were in Cambodia this year, this, this most trip, recent trip, stand up. There we go. And then finally, this is a tough one because it's, it's local missions. And we have got so many things going on in local missions, it's, it's just difficult to, to put them all down. But things like if you're on the crosswalk, if you did the prayer tent, if it's been Mission Arlington, Beautiful Feet, anything like that that deals with local missions, would you stand as well? Everybody that's done anything recently with that. All right. No, no, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. Now, here's the one group that's missing. You. I would love to see at our next mission celebration service to have three-fourths, eight-tenths, 90% of our congregation say, I have done something. So for those of you who have done this already for this year, thank you so much for doing that. We're going to sing, and in just a minute, we'll hear from our first groups. Thank you again for your service this year. Philip? Okay, you may be seated. Let's go ahead and get started now with hearing from some of our folks who've been uh, on local mission involvement and Cambodia. So we're going to hear from Jerry Womack and Maddie Stockton. Y'all just come on up. Join me up here on these seats. Jerry and Maddie and Hallie uh, Cranford and Natalie Gass. Y'all come ahead. Just have a seat and we're going to share microphones. We'll take this one right here for you two over here to share. And then we've got a mic right there. All right, now don't be nervous, you know, you're just up here, everybody's watching you. We're on TV right now, aren't we? Is that right? No, maybe not. Okay, basically what I asked them to do uh, as they were thinking about what to share today is to look 
in a most recent view and then to look into the past. Uh, some are veterans of uh, these mission experiences. Some it's first time, that kind of thing. And so as you're listening to them, I want you to be filtering it through. What did you do? How did you see God at work in this particular experience that you were a part of? And then how has that impacted your life? Sort of an outward look and an inward look. So let's start with our local efforts first. Okay, so you may talk about the crosswalk. Whatever you want to talk about. Um, okay, on the crosswalk, I think there was three things that were takeaway for me. Um, first of all, um, as we were walking, and I know a lot of y'all did that, but as we were walking, there was people who would honk or wave, and there was people who would do nothing. Um, and as I went home and thought about it, I just thought there are so many people um, that either come alongside you and encourage you on your pursuit of Jesus and your relationship with Jesus. There's people who don't say anything. There's people who you think that don't notice. Um, but every one of those people that drove down 1187 while we were doing that, they all saw us. They all saw me um, and my walk towards the cross. Um, and I, to me, it was just, um, uh, God really said you, that I need to be who I say I am um, and what I, in everything that I do because people see. People see, um, they see when they affirm, they see when they say nothing, um, they see. And so um, I need to be who I say I am in my pursuit of the cross. Um, the other thing that um, was really impactful for me um, was, I'll try not to get emotional. Um, you know, as I took the cross, I didn't feel like it was that heavy. I thought, oh, this is, I can do this. Um, and the longer you carried it, the heavier it got. Um, and you know, my friends that were behind me in my Sunday school class, I did it with my Sunday school class, um, who are all people who are extremely um, precious to me and dear to me. And um, I think that was just so beautiful to see how God, gave, God gives you people um, who sometimes drag you towards the cross, push you towards the cross when you can't do it yourself, when you are too in, when your sin is too heavy, um, that maybe you can't see that or you can't... Um, see him or you're trying to do it too much on your own. Um, they hold you accountable um, and they say, no, no, this burden, this sin is too heavy for you. Let me take it. Let me help you take it. Let me hold you accountable to that sin um, and hold you accountable to Jesus so that you can be um, who he asks you to be. So for me, that was um, a big takeaway um, and just the blessing of those people that I got to do the crosswalk with and just to see how um, we'd come along and done life together and spent time together and how we were all better because of each other. Oh, I should have gone first. I should have not wanted to follow Natalie Gass. Um, well, I'll be honest, I really didn't want to do it. Um, our class did it at six in the morning. So we started at dark, so it meant we were getting up at five. And I didn't completely understand why we were doing it. Um, but I knew we were supposed to do it, so um, we did. And it was great. We had Greg Mendenhall brought his Bible and read the Easter story the whole way there and back. Um, and of course, the people that we love doing it with us. And um, I find I realized for me the why. Sometimes it's hard for me to do things when God tells me to do it if I don't understand the why. And so, um, but the why was, you know, as believers, we're supposed to be pointing people to Jesus always. And so as people were driving to work that morning or wherever they were going, um, some of them maybe knew Jesus, and it was a, um, a moment of, oh, yeah, 
you know, I'm rushing on my way to work. This day is about God. It's not about um, the fight that I have with my wife or that I'm running late or whatever. Um, some of those people maybe don't know Jesus. And that was a, um, hmm, that's odd. I wonder what those people are doing with their cross, you know. And I feel like, for me, that was the takeaway, was that my, my goal, my job here on earth is to be pointing people to Jesus um, and that I need to be obedient even when I don't feel like it and when I don't have all the reasons why. You know, this brings up one thought that I think is, is uh, pretty significant for what these two testimonies were talking about. You know, I asked them to be thinking ahead. How did you see God at work? Meaning, um, here I am doing this event and God is going to be doing something out there, touching somebody's, somebody's life in some way. And both of you kind of reflected, you really don't know. I mean, how did God work? Did you see tangible results in any way? No, it really didn't. And sometimes that's one of the most difficult aspects of what we do in mission. And I want to go out on a little bit of a limb and suggest, you know, uh, maybe in our local expression of mission activity, that can be one of the harder aspects of it is to see God at work. Um, and so um, take away from what they just said that the most important thing for them in this activity was how God worked in their lives, in, in their personal lives. And that puts the burden on what God is going to do on God. He will do what he's going to do because of their efforts. We may never know this side of heaven what that one car honk meant to somebody or somebody at six in the morning seeing some crazy people dragging a cross up the sidewalk in Lido. What in the world is going on? We may never know. But that's really only part of the picture. The picture is, what is this doing to me in my life? Another takeaway that I have from this, and this is not the sermon, by the way, you're getting two for one today, um, is um, we really have a great deal going on in local missions. We made the choice today to handle it this way with a couple from each of these four segments, but we really could do this uh, a lot more often. And maybe this is a conversation you need to have with church leadership is to get those folks who are doing things in local mission expression uh, a way to share their testimonies and even those who can't be up here on stage today. So stay tuned for, for further things. Just hang on to that. They've got one down here. All right, let's move to Cambodia for a minute. Maddie, let's start with you. Okay, so this was my first time to go on a mission trip and first time to Cambodia, so um, it was truly amazing. But I think the way I saw um, God work the most is um, there was a major language barrier between all of that, all of us, but um, he completely broke that down. And um, whether it was watching, you know, these kids dance their heart out for God or sing, and um, majority of the time it's in Khmer, so you don't exactly know what they're saying, but you can feel it. Um, you can feel God's presence like I have never felt it before. And um, I told myself I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> but um, it was truly, truly amazing. And um, yeah, I'll let you go. Uh, no, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I'm not going to let you off the hook that easy. We've got more. I just want to ask another couple of things. By the way, what are tears for? You know, tears is God's way of pouring his spirit out sometimes in your life. And I want to go out on another little bit of a shaky limb and say, if you come back from a mission encounter with God somewhere, whether it's 
up and down the sidewalks of Lido or as far away as Cambodia, and you're not touched somehow in your heart in some way, might need to go see a spiritual cardiologist or something, you know, to kind of <laughs> get that going. Don't be ashamed of the tears. Mate, I just wanted to ask you, it's always been a personal interest of mine uh, to uh, talk with folks when they've had their very first experience mm -hmm. in missions. Um, How did you feel before you went? You know, it was all unknown to you, other than what we hear here in our testimonies, of course. I think I was just really nervous. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect, and I think it, it definitely was different than what I was expecting. It was a culture shock for sure, but um, you just, it gives you a new, I mean, a new trust in God and his plan, and you know where, um, that he will provide and that he will, um, you know, just kind of show himself like, but... Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Were you nervous about the, the flight? Were you nervous about just... I think I was just nervous about, um, you know, being able to share God. and But I think in more than anything, people were saying that I was going there and how I changed people's lives, but it was definitely more they changed my life. Um, definitely changed my perspective, made me um, more grateful. And just to see how gracious these people are that, you know, don't have a lot and they're still wanting to give and wanting to live completely selflessly for God. And so that's something really amazing to see. Pay attention to that last word. That's significant right there. It changed her perspective to see other people and how they interact with God and that kind of thing. That's awesome. So do you think you might do another one of these someday? Everybody was already laughing at me because when we were talking, I already say, okay, next year. So when I'm here next year, so I think it's uh, definitely good. set in stone. <laughs> okay, that's good. All right. Jerry, um, I, I, I made the classic boo-boo. I don't mind pointing fingers at myself. I went in there a while ago when we were, you know, when we were before Sunday school, and I said, Jerry, just want to make sure you got everything. He said, we need to have an old view for someone. For someone. And I went, no, wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's rewind that. That's not what I meant at all. Yes, Jerry's it was. A, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, Jerry represents a, a veteran, a seasoned veteran. Been to Cam How many times have you been to Cambodia? Uh, this was my fourth year. Fourth year, yeah. okay. So, in your perspective, how did you see God on this trip? I anything you want to add for that? Well, I'm glad that you mentioned tears because I'm sure that. Oh, I'm do it, do it. Uh, my heart is really bare. I love those people. Uh, from the first time that I went to this time, you get to see people that you've seen before. And it's so cool to get to see um, things that have happened and, and where they are. Um, one of the examples I want to give you is um, a family that was at the um, uh, military church. And three years ago when we were there, um, we met this family, and uh, it's a man and his wife and their two children. And uh, when we met them, they had like an eight-year-old and a or a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old, I guess, little boys. One of the little boys, um, she carried him around. Uh, he couldn't walk. He was so, um, I mean, physically, he there was something wrong with him, but he was. Um, they were so uh, malnourished, uh, and they were living in a ditch. And uh, so, of course, our hearts went out to them, and we gave them 
all of our peanut butter that were in, was in the van, our sticky rice that we had bought. Uh, we just gathered up all of our snacks and, and gave it to them uh, before we left. Well, we didn't get to go back to that church last year, and I've wondered about them because I have a picture of them on my on my phone. And uh, anyway, the little boy that was the, the oldest little boy was kind of shunned by that at that church, and so that goes on no matter where you are. If you're not the cool kid, then you're not involved, and even the dad was shunned. Uh, we got in a circle to pray over their frog farm that year, and the um, the man didn't want to hold that man's hand. And uh, I went and grabbed his hand and held it while we prayed. And uh, the little boy, the oldest little boy, didn't go inside to color. He colored outside. And my daughter Rachel was on that trip, and she colored with him. Well, this trip... Uh, when we pulled up there, I was so anxious, and I was hoping that they would be there. And she's the first one that I saw, the, the wife. And uh, she, um, the, they were included this time. The military church had uh, built them a hut to live in. So they have a place, a covered place for them to live. Uh, and the little boy was inside and he was coloring and when we played games the little boy was playing with us and so that just showed me that that church is learning to love in Jesus' name and so I was really thankful for that. It's, it's really something to be included isn't it? We are all included in the family of God. Mm -hmm. So it's it's hard to put four years or four trips in a in a short perspective, but how has this involvement over the last years impacted you in the in the I think it's made me be able to love everyone. Uh I uh we don't know what's going on in people's lives. And I think that um just because we're not like somebody doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't love them too. And I think that that opened my eyes more than anything that um, Jesus loves all of us mm -hmm. the same. Outstanding. So. Ladies, we could talk for a long time. Thank you all so much. Philip, let's sing a little bit more. <laughs> Matt, Carla, if you'll come up and your host of thousands. Billy, come on up. Matt and Carla Eaton and friends, um, why don't y'all take these over here? Um, let me get over here. Billy, I'll let you have the end seat right there. Whoops. Hang on. Your friend Mike is not being cooperative there. All right. Come on up. Come on right here. Or anywhere. We've got plenty. All right. So, Billy, let's start with you real quick. Um, you're a seasoned veteran of Portugal, aren't you? Seasoned veteran. This is my seventh year to go. I feel very lucky. You know, thinking about, you know, the first year I went in 2009, something about these seats that make tears want to come out your eyes. I don't I, know you know, I, I'm going <laughs> to go right ahead. All right. <laughs> you need a hug, Billy. Is that what you need? All right. All right. Go ahead. <clears throat> 
You got support from, well. I know, I do. All right. You see I'm, that guy I'm over good. there? I wouldn't. I'd take away from his. <laughs> I'm good. Right. But, you know, and that first year we went, I can remember, of course, you know, and I tell this story all the time. You know, I was a nervous wreck, kind of like, you know, Maddie was. What do you expect? I don't know what to expect. And we went, and, you know, Christian said, hey, dude, just go over there and be their friend. That's what they want. Go and be their friend. And, man, that has stuck with me forever, not only when we go, but just every day in life of what we do. So, you know, that first year, you know, I remember setting out. And I'll paint a little picture for you of, of Portugal. We stay in a – it's like a Boy Scout camp. It's um, two stories. There's um, four toilets down here that a bunch of guys use. It gets stinky. Um, you know, and we, we spend – Breakfast, eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner together. We spend all day together. We wake up in the morning, seven o'clock or so, go eat breakfast, and we go to football practice. Yeah. After practice, we come back, eat lunch. Throughout the day, we spend time either swimming. You know, there's times we all go to the beach together. Uh, we do um, coaches' clinics stuff. You know, we just spend the day with them. Then we go practice again. We come back, we eat dinner, and then that night, you know, you. People are, you know, the young guys go and play basketball, ping pong. You know, you just spend you spend all day together with the guys that come to camp, and, and guys are constantly coming. So, you know, you get a lot of time to really to, to befriend these guys. And, um, you know, over the years, you know, we've had a big group that, that keeps coming back, and the football part's been great. You know, they were, they were getting better and better and better, and that was all great. This year, that was a little bit different. You know, we had probably less returners come this year and had a lot more um, first-timers come to, to the camp. And, uh, you know, it's always one of those deals of, it, you know, how's it going to be? Who are these people that are coming? You like it when the guys that are returning come back because they understand a little bit. But this year, even though we probably didn't have as many um, football campers, you know, it was definitely more of an uh, – spiritual um, camp than it has been in the past couple of years and, and for me you know and having the, the guys with us but you know it's just one of those days you, you go and you spend each day with them and you talk to them you know them and you love on them and you get to be the friend and you know and they're very you know, most of them are very spiritually dead you get an opportunity to you know just talk to them about jesus and what he's done in your life and how he affects you and how he can change their life and they look at you like that's all i mean this is what it is this is what it takes it, it's not some crazy huge ordeal no it's not you know it's, it's very simple you know we do that and you know us that go together it, it's a it's a wonderful time for us because we get to see we get to spend a lot of time with each other, see how each other act, you know, just from the simple things of watching the boldness of the guys that go, you know. You know, of course, you know, Brother Lee's great. Brother Lee will just – he'll talk to anybody. doesn't matter. The guy sitting across from us, he looks across and says, do you speak English? And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a nervous wreck. What's about to happen right now? You know, um, Chuck brings – you know, Chuck has his – he brings all his gear and gets to know everybody. And, of course, the young guys – you know, they, they, they're there out doing everything, and Marconi speaks the language. So, you know, we've got a great group of guys that go, and, and you know, and getting to hear, you know, 
new guys, uh, Ricky Ledford went this year, and man, he probably had one of the most powerful testimonies I've ever heard. And it, you know, and watching these, you know, these men get up there and speak and talk and tell them what Christ has done in their life. And most of the guys that go are you know, mm-hmm. big, strong-looking guys, and letting these Portuguese see, you know, that it doesn't matter what you look like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Putting God first in your life is great. And, you know, that that's, to me, the, the greatest part of the trip. And, you know, yeah. being a, a, this, being there and done it before, you know, it's it's exciting to see every year. And, you know, and it never fails every year when you come back. To me, man, it's like a um, spiritual rejuvenation, you know. Because throughout the year, I go, and, man, I get worried about dumb stuff like, Football and really, you know, no, whoa, you know, and it puts perspective in my life of you know yeah. what's important, yeah. you know. Of course, our jobs are important, our family's the most important, but man, missing an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody, yeah, man, that's the most important because if you miss that opportunity, they might not ever hear it again. And holy smoke, yeah, man, they're dead, yeah, now you know, you can't live like that, yeah. Um, you said seven years, seven trips? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, let me, this is kind of a two-faceted question. In these seven years, have you had people make professions of faith from the Portuguese? Oh, yes, sir. Absolutely. How many were in the first year? Oh, man, I don't remember how many were in the first year. You usually have. Were there any in the first year? I guess that's what I should have asked. The first year that I went? Um, yeah. Well, were you there on the very first trip? I wasn't there on the very first trip. No. That's really my question. What I'm leading to is um, probably no professions of faith in that very first trip. I, there may have been. Who knows? But I'm sorry? There weren't. Okay, that's good. Because what I'm trying to point out is it's that continual coming back. And the core of this group that's been going to Portugal, it's obviously very important to them. They, they go and it's uh, something they're sold on. But it's that building of relationships. As they see you, you get a chance to talk to them. And then they start putting their confidence in Christ via seeing you and your example. Would that be a... Oh, absolutely. You know, there, there's guys that now who um, I think a couple have become missions mm-hmm. um, that are out. You know, they're always, you know, of course, the greatest thing is, you know, social media and going through and, you know, they can, you can keep that daily, you know, mm-hmm. You know, um, relationship going with them. Yeah. You know, so yeah. yes, I think we I, there were four this year. Yeah. You know, and there's always there's always come that come back, and you know they're right. You know, they're like, you know, I believe, you know, and I, I yeah. want to, and you come back again. They're like, man, I've been waiting for you guys to come back all year. We got all these questions to go, yeah. and you know, and the most, you know, the guys that you think, you know, really aren't the ones that you're not for sure. You know, if they're even listening, they're the ones that are listening that come up, and yeah. you know. When I ask, and see, this to me fits in perfectly with what we've heard from the others too, and that is the fact that what we really are all about is presenting ourselves as faithful witnesses for Christ. In this context, it's in Portugal; it's got its own unique culture, and as they were faithful to that, then those relationships start building. And sometimes you get these wonderful occasions where somebody makes a profession of faith. That that's it. That's the one right there. Sometimes it takes a while, doesn't it? It takes years. It does. It to does. Build take, up. It, it really does. does. You're exactly right. You know, it's, it's just like here. I mean, yeah, exactly. Same people. Just like here, exactly. But you, you know what you said a while ago about, you know, 
building the relationships. You mm-hmm. know, and that, that's the most important thing you can do. You go out there and be friendly, yeah. love yeah. them, treat so them think, like a human. Think you'll go back again? No, oh, yeah. Definitely. God willing, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. But, um, you know, really, from, for me, you know, I, you know, of course, it, it affects my life every time. But, you know, in, you know, building the, the relationships that I build with the men in here that go right. with us, you know, and seeing, you know, kids that I've got to coach go and, and exactly. teach go. And now, you know, guys, you know, Austin Stockings now working with me and yeah. seeing him go and knowing that, mm-hmm. you know, these guys that, that are here doing this, they don't even walk to walk, they talk to talk. Right. And, you know, and it's, it's a great feeling knowing that you go to a church that says, you know what, this is important, we're going to do it. And also, I think we had, we had 23 guys go this year. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, of course, the DeGears came over also, and um, Tammy and Kennedy and all of them got to go and, and meet the guys. And, you know, they, the, the guys know our families. Man, you should have seen them. They were so excited to see the DeGears, and they've heard so many stories. And just it was like, you know, a family yeah. reunion. It is really, um, really powerful, really exciting. And if you ever have an opportunity, you know, to go, you know, don't miss that opportunity. You know, this year I was, I was very hesitant. I thought, man, I gotta, I've got some coaches I gotta hire. I just don't know if I have time. And you know, some of my coaches and, and Lee and they were like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you, you know, you talk about putting it in God's hand, it's gonna be all right, and it yeah. is. Put it in God's hand, you're gonna be all right. Yeah. And you go out, and I didn't miss it. That's great. What I want you to take away from Billy's testimony for me is the idea of relationships and how important that is. Well, let's move across the Atlantic Ocean just for a minute. You stay up here with us. Yeah, that thing's good. Let's hear from the Eatons and the host of thousands here. So uh, tell us just real quickly what you got, who, who's up here. Okay. So, um, and we, don't cry. This, uh, that's later. I'm, I've already cried. I'm going to cry, okay. so just that's deal good. with it. We can be Who you got up here? Well, first, I have to look out here. Okay. Uh, I would like for my entire family to stand up because we are so blessed this morning. Wow. This is a miracle. I am so blessed this morning. I mean, such a, my brother-in-law, Jared, and his family are here, and my brother, Efren, and his family, and my dad, and my aunt, and my cousins from New Jersey are all here, and I just want to give thanks to the Lord because it's such a blessing. Okay, so, yeah, tell us who's up here. Okay, so we went, it was um, Matt and myself and our four children and my mother, Lucia, and we, um, such a blessing, we went to (laughs) (laughs) Well, talk to them, don't talk to me, talk to them, they want to hear you. Sorry, okay. That's okay. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Well, let's do this, let's try to keep it like we have here, just a little bit. Tell me one or two kind of concrete things, how you saw God working. Oh, man, one or two. Um, so I went six years ago. Mm-hmm. I went to Peru with the Masils, and um, it was it was an amazing trip. We went as a team, and Andy, Bob, and they went. It was just so amazing, and we went as leaders. We mm-hmm. we took the message. We um, we united with the team there. Um, called Zona Segura, and they were just starting up, and we were teaching them, and we went around the city, going to universities and schools, and and we brought the the main, all of the the teachings, and we were teaching Mm -hmm. them. Well, here we are six years later, 
I got to go back and see these same group of leaders who have just taken, I tell you, they have taken everything we and other churches have brought, and um, they've grown, they've grown in the gospel, they've grown in leadership, and I really feel like we were their support. They were leading, we, um, they put on a family camp, and that's what our, our mission was, to go support them <laughs> okay. in this family camp that they started, where they invite, how many, how many families do you think? About, I don't know, 150 people? Yeah, so about 150 people, and their family, so it's parents and their kids, and there was, you know, single moms and their kids, so it's the entire family, and they have, um, they're, you know, sharing the gospel, and they are um, putting on activities for the entire family, mm-hmm. and um, so we were assigned, my, my mom and I were assigned the children, mm-hmm. um, and so the kids helped. Very with good. that, and then um, the Riddles and the Missiles right. were helping with the youth and the adults, and it was amazing. It was amazing to see the children connect. Matt went last year with the older two boys and came home and decided we all needed to go, there you go. which okay. was amazing. And I have to tell you, something that I took away was the way, I guess, a concept that I I haven't seen us do was the family camp where sure. it was the entire family from grandparents, adults to babies. And just I thought that was really neat. Mm-hmm. Really, really neat. And I would love for us to maybe see us do that because it was diff- it was really neat. So um, how did the kids do? Oh I mean you, how obviously did you the two do? older ones did last year, but good. Well, I thought it was yeah. I thought it was it was pretty good, but last year when I went with my dad and Marcus, it was a bit bigger and longer, but I'm guessing it's because we went to other places as well besides the camp before it. So um, I enjoyed it both years, and I was able to meet new friends, and I got to see old friends from last year. And one thing that really interests me that I didn't really speak much Spanish, but the one language that I saw that was throughout the whole camp was playing. Like, you don't need to know how to, you know, speak Spanish or English to be able to play with each other. Yeah, very good, outstanding. Matt? Yeah, so it was, it was a really good camp. And uh, for me, uh, the big takeaways, um, for me, spiritual rejuvenation, right? Um, I think for the people there, for us, um, just that recharge, right? Um, and it was, it was both on mutual sides. Uh, it, was, it was great seeing the whole family in action, right? People say, I don't have the skills. I'm not a plumber. I'm not a painter uh, or whatever the skill may be. Um, you just got to love people. And watching the whole family um, across this four-acre campus, just interacting, interjecting, loving on these people, not knowing the language, um, it was awesome. And it, the people there were really excited to, to see the whole family. Like, I, again, I went with Marcus and Thomas last year, and then... What we did, I said, you know, my whole family can contribute and, and, and benefit from this, and, and they did. So it was really cool doing that. And then the other thing that I really enjoyed was uh, confessions are awesome, baptisms, baptisms are, confe- are, are awesome too, but what are really good are the, uh, when you see the, the, the fruits of the tree, right? So as these apple trees are continuing to grow apples, right? So an example of that would be like marriage, right? So Marriage has kind of been commoditized a lot in the United States, right? It's just kind of, oh, you kind of do what you want. It's, it's even worse in Peru. People don't even get, a lot of people don't even get married, right? It's not even, uh, a lot of people don't even see it as a, a necessity. 
but seeing some couples that have gone to these camps over the years and saying, hey, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm changing my ways. I'm, so we, we saw a couple that proposed. They had a kid that was a couple years old. And, but, but seeing those type of things and really seeing the fruit of these trees, which to me is far beyond the, the confession and the baptism. I mean, it's, they're living it out. They're, other people are notices, noticing it, and the, and the trees multiplying. Really awesome thing. So I would tell any of y'all, I mean, you big families, little kids, um, Isabel contributed just as much as Landon, Marcus, or I did, or, or the older ones. So um, people, some people thought I was a little crazy doing the whole family, but it worked out great, and uh, I'd recommend it for anybody. Now, there's the takeaway that I want you to get from this one right here. Uh, can a family, an entire family, be involved in a mission experience? Absolutely. Um, is Are there places in the world that are more you know, uh, are easier or better for families than others? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you need to be smart about things like that. But the richness that you take away from having your entire family exposed and experiencing uh, something outside of themselves is something that is, is priceless, absolutely priceless. So what, what's your little friend down there on the ground there? What is, what is that down there? Who is that? She is a llama. Her name is Veronica. She costs... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, we don't want to know. <laughs> she was I free. It. it was free. So that's. She's that's, not that's an your, ordinary llama. That's your. That's Veronica the she, llama. She put lots of smiles on kids' faces, <laughs> which made me enjoy her the most, just carrying her around. Outstanding. She brought lots of smiles. Very good. So, Eaton Family, is this something that you might want to think about doing again in the future? Yes. In now, fact, think about it. Think about it. Yeah. In the future? <laughs> of no, course. No, it, it, it is. Um, it was, I was so happy that they went last year. Um, I was not expecting for us all to go this year, but, you know, um, God is so amazing, and I've just learned to say, you know what? He needs me. I'm not ready. I'm never ready. You're never ready. You're just never ready, um, which is perfect because he needs you to not be ready. He needs you to just be Depend obedient. Depend on him, yeah. And um, so there is a lot of children who I promised I would do the very best to come back next year. And um, God willing, if that's where there he wants go. us to be, that's where we will be. Um, it's a huge undertaking, but like you said, just, I mean, if he wants it to happen, he's going to make it happen, and there's nothing you can do. Very good. Thank y'all so much. Billy, Matt, Carla, thank you. Well, I hope that you have had something today that has struck you, uh, some way that God has spoken to you. Some way that uh, something that one of these people up here said today that meant something to you. Um, how do we wrap this up today? You know, when you get to a missions day or a day in which uh, mission activity is focused on and highlighted, uh, there's a lot of different scriptures, there's a lot of different people, a lot of different individuals in the Bible that we could use to kind of bring it all to sort of a, a, a focus point. And as I was thinking this week, I kept being drawn more back to the character of, we call him in, the, in, in Scripture, we call him Philip the Evangelist. Um, this was Philip, not the original disciple of Jesus, but one of those who came in that early church 
Uh, he was of Greek background, but he was one of those early believers. So let's take just a moment and refresh ourselves a little bit on his life. Uh, he was a man. That was it. He was just a guy. He was one of the early believers of Christ. But there was something that was a little bit different about him. Um, would it surprise you that the early church, uh, pretty soon after its formation, uh, got into a period of difficulty? There was contention in the ranks. had to do with the fact that they were so much in love with Christ that they shared everything they had with each other. And then Satan wormed his way in there just a little bit. And all of a sudden, some people said, well, they're getting more food than I am. Oh, they're getting more food than I am. Oh, this is terrible. It was that, that confrontation, that, that uh, conflict between the Hebrew widows and the Greek-speaking widows. And so to solve it, the apostles, those original 12, they said, well, that's not our mission in life. We need to get some people to help us out. And we have the word today in our vocabulary called deacons. Uh, it's just simply an English transliteration of the Greek word diakonos, which means a table servant, a table waiter. But they chose seven men, and each of these seven men were reported to be of a good reputation and full of the Holy Spirit. And Acts lists their names, and one of those names is Philip. And then, it, as Scripture does, the, the storyline just goes on and keeps moving through the, the storyline the way that Luke presented it. The next time we find Philip was some short time later when at the very tragic moment of Stephen, one of those seven, by the way, um, God impressed him to be so bold to share the gospel in a setting in which people became enraged, and they killed him right on the spot. They executed him. And said so a great persecution broke out because of that. If you've ever seen pictures of or even been somewhat in a mob setting, you see how you know how mobs get out of control real quick. And that's kind of the feeling I have of what was taking place then. Uh, it's kind of like they got a taste for blood, the Jews did, and they, it just snapped and went to the next level. And a great persecution broke out, and it said the believers fled. They scattered wherever they went. And one of those was Philip. And Philip's scattering, so to speak, led him north and a little bit west from Jerusalem into the province of Samaria. Now that's a whole other story for another time, that we have a, a Christian believer from um, the Jewish world witnessing in Samaria. But that's where he found himself. And Scripture says he went to the city of Samaria. I never thought, paid much attention to that. And I started thinking, well, what, what do you mean by, the, was there only one city in Samaria? That couldn't be. There was villages all over the place. So just a little look in, in some of the reference materials I have indicated that that was probably the capital city of the province of Syria, uh, of Samaria. So he went there and he did there what he had been doing in Jerusalem and that was proclaiming Christ. And scripture makes these two comments. Crowds with one accord paid attention and there was much joy in that city. And so it was a moment where Philip, as doing what he had always been doing as a witness for Christ, found himself in another situation that was totally outside of his own planning, but he did what he did as a believer, sharing Christ. And a great joy broke out in that city. Now what an amazing situation that is, one that we'd love to find ourselves in, where you're, you're kind of in that heat of a revival moment. But you know how the story goes on. There was that proverbial knock on the door, so to speak, by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit said, Philip, I've got another job for you. 
And I, I've, I like to kind of imagine. I think, you know, it's good to have a Holy Spirit-inspired imagination. And I kind of like Philip to, you know, think that Philip said, well, sure, Lord, I'd be glad to do that. Are we going to move over to this part of the city or maybe over to that part of the city or maybe to another city in Samaria? But no, Philip, uh, the, the Holy Spirit said, I'll show you where to go. You know that road that's way south of us that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza? You know, the road that not many people take, it's in the desert. Uh, it was a main highway, but it's way off the beaten path. I want you to go down there. And Philip, uh, Lord, but did you not hear what I just said? Crowds with one accord paid attention and there was much joy in that city. Yeah, I know, Philip. That's what I want you to do. So Philip goes. And I, I have an imagination that at some point he was saying, okay, so I'll go, but so who am I supposed to meet up with? No answer. You just go. So here we see him now, and again, use your imagination. You're out on a dusty road out in West Texas, and you're slogging along, and it's hot, and it's desert, and you're there because the Lord told you to be there, and you're going, what in the world am I doing out here? This is the craziest thing. I've... Lord, you just didn't pay attention to what it was I was helping you do up in Samaria. And then he sees a chariot. Well, if I'm out in West Texas, and I'm slogging along on foot out in a by myself out on the road and I see a car I'm going to flag it down I'm going to get a ride or something so he goes up there and now you know how the story goes from there he meets the Ethiopian the Ethiopian's reading out of the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah and the Ethiopian does exactly what we as believers would love to have happen he says I don't understand what I'm reading can you tell me about this that's a perfect invitation to talk about Christ so Philip gets in the chariot. He explains to him that all this is talking about Christ and he gets to the part about baptism. If you believe on the Lord, you can be baptized. And that Ethiopian then says the next best thing. Well, what's stopping me from being baptized? And lo and behold, there's water. There was a pond. And he says, nothing. Let's stop. I'll baptize you right now. He baptizes him. And then this gets a little bit spooky because what happens to Philip? Scripture says... Boom, he's gone. Now, I don't know how that happened. I do know that God can do anything God wants to do. And at that point, he didn't want us to know the house. He just wanted to know the what. And Philip was, boom. And the Ethiopian went on his way. Now, two things to take away from this part. I just told you the first. God can do anything God wants to do. But do you realize what happened in that little brief moment when he baptized that Ethiopian? An entire continent was open to the gospel. Ethiopia, Ethiopia. Now, because Philip was obedient to uh, to following a command that he didn't have any he didn't have any understanding about, left a city where there was a great movement to Christ to go to witness to an individual who perhaps became the catalyst to an entire country and continent. So, see, we don't ever understand how God is going to take our obedience and, and work it. And I want to just suggest to you, it's not our place to understand how God is going to take. So you've heard each one of these groups of people talk about their experiences. And with each one of them, I do think there's a level of not understanding how God's going to take the investment they made and use it. But that's not the point. The point is not to know how God's going to do it. The point is, is how we are going to be obedient to what God says to do. Now, to finish that Philip story, Scripture says he finds himself in the city of Azotus. 
Most scholars think that's the modern-day Israeli city of Ashdod, which is in the old uh, Philistine area along the seacoast uh, of what's current-day Gaza and Israel. And he works his way up the seacoast, and he settles in Caesarea. And we don't find Philip again for a long time, but when we do find him again, he has a family. Sticky water's fixing to come up here. All of the, four of the members of the family are outstanding preachers and evangelists. And they're women. He has four daughters that are doing as good a job as he did as an evangelist. Now, we'll touch on that one later on, too. But you see the point. Philip had a life, and his life, and this is really where I'm going with this entire thing, his entire life was started with his professional faith in Christ, and the first time that we find him, he has a, he's a man of good reputation, and he's a man full and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And it didn't matter whether he was in Jerusalem or Samaria or on the Gaza Road or in Caesarea. He was a witness for Christ wherever he happened to go. And that, to me, is the manifestation of the Acts 1-8 verse that we have where we read it. And it said, Jesus told the disciples in that last, one of those last times he met with them, and he said, you will be filled, when you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, what I would like us to be very careful of is to not confuse the, the word missionary, however you define the word missionary, with the word witness. Because one thing that Acts 1-8 does not say is, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my missionaries in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. It says you'll be my witnesses. And folks, that's what I want in my life and that's what I want in your lives is for each one of us to see ourselves as 24-7, 365 witnesses for Christ that are open to wherever He happens to lead us under whatever circumstances He happens to have us in. And if there come those seasons of life when He says to us, I want you to break away from what you're doing right now and I want you to be that witness in and it's someplace else. You've heard from those who have done this locally, those who've done it in Cambodia, those who've done it in Portugal, those who've done it in Peru. And I dare say we're going to have other places. We've, we, we all know about um, Jake, who was a member here, and now he's doing that, being a witness in Japan. There's a lot of other things that were going on. We couldn't highlight them all today. But to me, folks, the takeaway for us is to see ourselves as 24-7, 365 witnesses for Jesus Christ wherever he happens to lead us. And if he does give you the opportunity to have that in a season of life in another location, embrace it, even as Maddie shared, with some anxieties, not having ever been there before. That's normal. And I still have anxieties when I travel overseas. You know, it's not as much as it used to be, but I still do. And I think the anxieties are simply God's way of saying, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take care of this. Just, just trust me, I'll take care of this. So, in closing, here's what I want to do. I do want to offer a special invitation to somebody in this room today. I don't know who you are. It may not even be somebody here today, but they're going to get the word somehow. Invitation for you to take on a new assignment as a witness for Christ in our church. We have a need in our church. Uh, we have a mission team that uh, serves as sort of the sounding board and uh, 
you know, bouncing of ideas off of and suggesting ideas to our church leadership and eventually to the church body for our mission involvement. We have great representatives. In fact, I know a couple of them are here today. Mike Masil's absent because he came back with an unwanted friend from Cusco. Cusco's revenge. That's Montezuma's cousin, you understand. And uh, so he's not here today. But if you're, all of our mission team members, if you're here today, I saw Kevin Elder. Would you stand up real quick, Kevin? Crystal, are you here somewhere? There we go. Uh, Mike is not here. Clay Crawford, are you here? No. And who am I missing? Uh, Billy. Yeah, over here. I think that's, am I missing somebody? And Mike, I mentioned. Okay, these are on the mission teams. What do you see missing here? It's a North American component. Crystal's doing a wonderful job uh, being the voice and the advocate for local missions. You want to know something about local family missions? Talk to Crystal. She's the expert. Want to know about Cambodia? Talk to Kevin. Want to know about Portugal? Billy and Lee and others. Uh, Youngs, go ahead and sit down. What we don't have, and Mike for Peru, what we don't have is somebody dealing with North America. And uh, I hesitate to call that our Judea-Samaria component of Acts 1-8, but you get the picture. Ends of the earth, we have voices, we have advocates, local voices, advocates. We need somebody desperately to uh, be an advocate and a voice for North American missions. And we actually already have a, a commitment. Uh, our church has made a commitment in one part of North America that's part of the issue we face right now is we haven't had a consistent voice to keep that, that uh, opportunity in front of our church. It's in Provo, Utah with a church planner named Kevin Rutledge. Uh, we have begun discussions to add another North American component uh, in our missions outreach here through our church with Vancouver, British Columbia. And so I would like to invite you to listen to God and if God is laying on your heart that you want to be on mission for Him by serving on our mission team as a North American advocate, send me your, uh, just contact me via email. I'm not going to look over my shoulder, but there it is. I asked him if it wasn't, there it is. Yeah, there's my email address, stevecberry49 at gmail.com. Let me know of your interest, and then we'll take it from there. Uh, the mission team will have to be in on our conversations. We'll pray through this. Uh, there's a process to go through. I don't want you to worry about all that right now. The main idea is, is this the way that God wants me to serve as His witness through this uh, uh, position of leadership in our church? That being said, I'd like for us to pray as we come to our close. The ushers, you'll come forward at the end of the prayer, and then, Philip, if you'll lead us. Father, thank you so much for the time to be able to celebrate missions today. I know we could have spent hours up here and... Yet I'm glad that we can leave with a taste of celebration because that'll help us to be able to have other times, to have other testimonies of how you have served and worked in people's lives. Thank you for the opportunities to serve you. Um, I do lift up to you this need that we have on our team. May you speak clearly to somebody. And through all this, Father, I just simply look forward to our church being known far and wide as a church of 24-7, 365 people on witness for you, wherever you happen to lead. Thank you for all that, Lord. Thank you for the time today. In Christ's name, amen. Ushers.